decided that the three of us should get together one last time before we split up. Are you mad at me? No, no. Look, I probably should have told you a little bit more about the part I intended to play. But we'll go through it all again tonight. This is a celebration, Susie, not a suicide pact. I'm gonna chill out, just relax, have a little champagne, watch the stars. Kelly, you got a blanket or something in the back of your mom's rover? Mm -hmm. Why don't you be an angel and run over and get it for us? She knew I took the rover. Let me ask you something. Why would reason you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? to another steamy installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 326, Wild Things Revisited. And never in the history of film has a movie made more sense. To revisit. <laughs> revisit over and over again. <laughs> Every twist, so necessary. <laughs> well, that's sort of what makes it fun. And Definitely. what makes it stand out from... A lot of the other erotic thrillers from the 90s. It's a special movie in people our age, yeah, our growing up, our history. I think even though we're a few years apart, I still think it was a big enough... Are you making a face? No? This was not no, a no. big thing coming no, up? No, it, it is. I, I was thinking about something and I was trying to think about how to ask you. <laughs> okay. When I watched this, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I, I was kind of going further with the thought. Oh, no. Well, this movie's reputation precedes yeah. it, for sure. Yes. Like, no question. At the time when it came out, considered salacious, had all sorts of coverage. 
And it doesn't feel that salacious to me now. And I, I'm trying to figure out if it's just because I'm older or was culture like overblowing it at the time. But it also feels like everything was far more salacious then than it is now. So it's weird that it would have been a big deal. Well, and I was trying to a figure part that of it out. is that we live in a society now much more comfortable with LGBTQ yeah. stuff. And so the novelty aspect of two hot young actresses making out doesn't really apply anymore. True. So that was part of it. That was a big part. Another part was Kevin Bacon's penis. Yeah. There's been a lot more male full frontal over the last 10 to 15 years than there had been leading up to that. So less of a big deal. So that was a big spike in interest. Mm -hmm. And the movie was flashy and fun and had a hot young cast. So it just got kind of a lot of attention. And then for whatever reason, it's just it's those things that happen, whether it's Fast Times or Porky's yeah, yeah. or whatever. It, just certain ones. I know a big one coming up in my neighborhood was Starship Troopers, the Dina Meyer topless scene. Right. And I don't know why. Yeah, because yeah. there's topless scenes in tons of movies. Totally. It just was a movie that I guess parents thought that their 12 to 15-year-old could see that were rated R. So they a lot of people saw it, and they weren't seeing a lot of movies with boobs in them. But that was just one of them for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Although I guess if you go beyond the two women thing, the original plan had played out, or one of many plans, I guess. Maybe a thruple was going to be happening here on the boat it really seemed like lombardo not happy <laughs> about the kelly situation really thought that she was going to be in the mix here uh maybe he does say that he wanted her blamed for Susie's murder that's though. true yeah because i think he thought of that as closing a loose end yeah yeah so okay no one all right, be all right. Looking for him all right anyway we got a lot to talk about for those of you new to the show, a revisited episode is just a movie we've already covered, but we're doing it again now that we're a little bit more thorough with our examinations of these films. We covered Wild Things way back during number 68, and I almost hesitate to make this comment, but we covered it on September 11th, 2017, so we were honoring the memory of 9-11 by talking about wild things evidently that's true okay yeah obviously we weren't that's a joke but <laughs> it is strange how now forever that day it was just a day that whatever day of the week we were doing it at that point mm -hmm. and we just post it and now when you look at it you're like it's weird that we released this on 9-11 yeah it was an hour and 26 minutes i think based on the quantity of notes i have we will probably go well past that this time i think so even in our Days of Brevity, that's a long episode mm -hmm. because there's so many goddamn twists yeah. in this movie. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. But wait, there's more. Wild Things was released in 1998. It was directed by John McNaughton, written by Stephen Peters. Kem Nunn was brought in for some rewrites on some of the material. The budget was $20 million. The box office was $67.2 million making it a nice little hit. For those of you who don't know, John McNaughton directed Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm. He was looking to break into more mainstream films because he was sort of a indie, art house, off the beaten path type thing. Well, and he so, broke in in a big bad yeah, way. <laughs> I like that this is the one that he ends up with. <laughs> for those of you who have not seen Wild Things or would like to rewatch it for the purposes of listening to this podcast, you can stream it for free on a course 
Tubi, mm-hmm. and also Paramount Plus as well. Paramount Plus would be preferable if you have the nice deluxe subscription. I don't know. Do they do commercials during movies if you don't? Or is it just shows? I think they put them on the front end. Yeah, I don't think they interrupt the movies. Right. So either way, Paramount Plus is probably better because Tubi yeah. does have commercials. True. But I'll do a little tease for what I've got in mind for physical media spotlight. If you have a 4K player, I would recommend just picking up the Arrow release. I think all of the versions, including that nice deluxe one, are still in print. Anyone oh, wow. can just buy okay. it. So I guess we didn't need to pre-order it. No, we definitely needed to. Had to, to make we sure that yeah. as soon as possible. I don't know if it means it's not a great seller or if with different releases they just have more made mm-hmm. in general. I don't know. But if you are someone who likes to buy Blu-rays, I would I would pick it up. I think when talking about this movie, you have to start with the Wild Things experience. This was really a coming of age during the teenage years for a whole generation of men. I'd say so. This is definitely one of those type movies sweaty swampy atmosphere down in the everglades a down and dirty score from george s clinton no not that george clinton that's clear (laughs) i'm gonna do something that i've never done on the show before but technically i've posted things i've said on the show as parts of letterboxd reviews but i'm actually gonna read a part of my own letterboxd review right now all right love it this is the height of narcissism yeah (laughs) I just really think I captured it. You know? I got you, yeah. <laughs> You're very good. I wrote, highly entertaining, glorious trash, still hilarious after all these years. There you go. <laughs> what a pompous ass. <laughs> Shut up. After all these years. I know. What an insufferable <laughs> douche. <laughs> Someone should just kill me. I actually read your stuff better than you do. It sounds cooler when I'm reading it than you narrating it. <laughs> It seems that Wild Things is often misunderstood and still to this day taken deathly seriously by some people. In my opinion, it's operating exclusively in the realm of satire and parody. I don't think you can interpret large portions of the film as anything other than intending to be very funny. It cranks up the absurdity of noir mysteries and revels in the most tawdry elements, but it's convincing enough as an erotic thriller that some audiences seem to have missed the point, I love that most of my reviews are telling people that they don't understand the movie. <laughs> Such a fucking asshole. <laughs> Shut up. That is great about you. <laughs> yeah, you just don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it like I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Even if people do get it, you're like, yeah, but you you really don't, though. <laughs> you get like a part of it, but then there's more. And yes, Wild Things is sexy and dirty, too. You can't deny that. It loomed large over middle and high schoolers in the late 90s. Something captured perfectly in the Hulu TV series Pen15. It was one of those forbidden films that managed to find its way into sleepovers and clandestine get-togethers, a smuggled-in VHS copy revered like a sacred text of boobies and swear words. Totally. (laughs) I'm, like, making myself sick. I don't know why I did this. (laughs) Why did I think this would be a good idea to read this? You're proud of it. I thought I was until I started reading it. (laughs) Denise Richards and Nev Campbell epitomized the teen male fantasy, which is part of the point, I'd imagine. But Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon bring their own brand of latent homoeroticism to the table. 
Bacon shows that dick off, too. Chuck. Yes, I did write that. Yeah. <laughs> In limited screen time, Bill Murray steals a few scenes with excellent comedic work, sort of a precursor to Saul Goodman. Mm-hmm. It's a rite of passage, as I said, like Porky's, Basic Instinct, Fast Times. It's one of those movies. And it came right before people were really online a lot. So, again, internet pornography was not really a thing that most people were experiencing yet. Yeah. And so there was still a lot more joy in certain nude scenes. I don't think really nude scenes nowadays get as much press. No. As they did back then. That was a lot of the coverage of this totally. movie. The male and female. I know I don't know what's film. going on in the news ever, but I feel like I would be more aware if these things were being talked about so broadly. Do you remember the first time you watched Wild Things? Oof. No, I oh, don't. Boo. I definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> it made quite an impression. <laughs> well, maybe did you not see it when you were young? Did, did you not end up seeing it till later? It was later, but it was, I mean, I was still high school age. The film's screenplay was written by screenwriter Stephen Peters, who had previously written the independent film Dead Center. John McNaughton, who had garnered acclaim for the horror film Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986, became involved with the project as he was seeking to make a more mainstream feature. He says... I was at a point in my career when I needed to do a commercial picture, and that was one of the key reasons I chose the film. I really liked the script, but it was also me asking myself, what sells? Sex and violence. You want sex and violence? Well, here you go. How much can you take? Kem Nunn was appointed to perform some rewrites of Peter's original version. McNaughton commented that Peter's original draft is brilliant on plot, and we didn't change any of it, but I felt Kem Nunn was stronger on texture and character and place. The producer, Peter Goober, sent us off to Florida, where none of us had spent much time. And we spent 10 days there getting shepherded around to places and meeting people who were like the people in the story. When I read the script, I thought, as crazy as it is, I do believe it could happen in the world that we live in. There you go. Once I believe that a story can happen in the real world, then I know how to direct it. By the way, I don't consider it all that violent. No, not really, but... There are some triggering and questionable material that is certainly controversial in a 2023 light. But yeah, I I don't know that violence is the right way I would describe all of that. Totally. There's some bigger term to umbrella everything I'm trying to think of that's uneasy about this movie, but (laughs) I guess politically incorrect is one way to think of it. Kevin Bacon described the script as the trashiest thing he had ever read, but every few pages there was another surprise. Kind of, because he was an executive producer. (laughs) Filming in the Everglades proved difficult due to severe weather conditions. A tornado almost crushed a couple of trailers. McNaughton said production had to be halted, and the police called when a real dead body floated into view. Wow, that's uh, ominous. Before the filming of an outdoor scene by the river, a gaffer was fixing the lights and noticed something floating by in the river. It was a dead body. The police were called, and when they arrived, they anchored it to the dock out of sight of the camera. They removed it after the scene was shot. Yikes. When I read that, I thought that was so bizarre. Production and value. <laughs> Well, no, they made sure it wasn't on camera, yeah, but... No, it just but it added to the 
ambiance of the scene. They were in no rush to get whoever that was out. (laughs) Still alive. (laughs) It just seems weird to to have a dead body in the mix and be like, well, it can wait a few more minutes. (laughs) The original title, the working title, was Sex Crimes. I would say probably a little too on the nose. And there's something just camp enough about Wild Things to be iconic, even though... I don't know if it really makes sense or is the most appropriate title ever, mm-hmm. but it works because you just remember it. You know what it is. Totally. Instant association. Tawdry, vulgar, but endlessly entertaining. No concern for decency or trigger warnings or anything like that. This was the height of the 90s carefree decadence. There's an inherent and deliberate absurdity to the many twists and turns of Wild Things understanding them, analyzing them, and picking them apart is kind of half the fun. Absolutely. But it's obvious by the end of the film that the audience is the intended mark, more so than any one character in particular. Wild Things is a neo-noir and an erotic thriller, but it reminds me of another 90s Nev Campbell film, Scream. Mm. Like Scream, I think Wild Things is fully self-aware and is discovering joy in genre deconstruction. But, and this is a blessing and a curse, it disguises the satire almost too well. And so it walks a thin line between demanding to be taken seriously while also winking at the audience over and over. It's a really fascinating film. I think that I would actually now consider it among my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) It is a fun time, and there's a lot to digest there. And you list two genres that are just never-ending fun. Neo-noir and erotic thriller. I know. We need to have more of them. Yeah. Kevin Bacon said in an interview that he and the other cast members had trouble keeping track of the lies and twists on the script. Quote, to determine their motivation in each scene, the cast had to gather with the director, writers, and producers to establish the sequence of events, Bacon said. We'd sit in rehearsals trying to piece together what was going on in the script whom we were lying to about what, and it just gets so complicated we'd have to stop and rest. It's like who versus who? (laughs) It's actually kind of a genius thing when you think about it because it does gloss over parts of the film if the acting isn't up to snuff or if you're not sure what the motivation is because Mm -hmm. then it just gets so convoluted that you're like, well, yeah, they were acting, but they're acting for this person's benefit like it's so complicated you're not sure there's so many lies on top of lies that who knows if it even really makes sense (laughs) (laughs) our primary focus is going to be the original theatrical cut which comes in at about 108 minutes we'll talk a little bit about the unrated cut at the end there isn't a ton of differences but there is a little bit a little bit of a change to something i love the opening the airboat going over the Everglades in the sunset with the alligators. When you're working in a world that has this kind of character and texture, I think it's important to set the stage by introducing us to it. And it really sets the mood because I definitely think the location is part of the fun. It's a factor in the film. We've got a score that completes the mood and sets the stage. Yeah, at times there's almost like flashes of Psycho or something real intense jutted cues yeah they definitely tease out 
a little bit of the suspense too in a semi Hitchcockian way mm-hmm. in a few moments. I wouldn't yeah. say there's like long drawn out sequences, totally. but yeah. They're definitely going for a few key moments. We're down in the upscale Miami suburb of Blue Bay. The film opens with high school guidance counselor Sam Lombardo trying to quiet some rowdy students at the start of an assembly on the topic of sex crimes. Full-on college-type setting in this high school. Yeah, very casual. Yeah, the teacher is using a microphone to give lectures. No, I just think this is an assembly. This is a presentation. Yeah. For like a more... This is not class. Who it's for, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who are these kids and why are they the ones in there? Because it can't be the whole school. No, no. But I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was a general assembly. I don't know. (laughs) Matt Dillon as Sam Lombardo. Early 30s. Good looking. The girls at the school drool over him. Oh my gosh, they're fawning. Which is not that bad considering the girls we're seeing are all comfortably in their 20s, pretty obviously. (laughs) He's very popular. He's the cool guy. He's the cool teacher. The cool teacher, yeah. We all remember those guys. Teaches sailing lessons. Yeah. The worst, Uh really. There's actually nothing more annoying than a cool teacher. Yeah, I know. Shut up. Yeah, get out of here. Go get a real job. (laughs) I'm joking. Go get a job reef to work in the summer. We're, of course, joking. We know. My mom was a teacher. And my mom, too. (laughs) (laughs) We're both working through something. (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. was the first choice for the role of Sam Lombardo, which ultimately went to Matt Dillon. Downey was considered because of his highly publicized drug problems. And although he was in recovery, he was seen as too great an insurance risk. You would have loved to see it, though, for those reasons. Producer Rodney Liber said, we couldn't make it work, and the production company even offered to put up some of the money, but there were just too many lawyers and insurance people and bond company people involved. I actually think Matt Dillon works better, though, because Robert Downey Jr., despite whatever real-life struggles, I feel like still has a real charm to him, whereas Matt Dillon, I'm, I'm buying the sleaze a little bit more. Yeah, there's a sleaziness yeah. to his charm. You always feel like he's right. faking. Yeah. And I don't know if... Downey Jr. in this time period would have overplayed his hand a little bit too much. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's a great actor, obviously. For sure. But I, I could see him being a little too over-eager sometimes, whereas Dylan really is passive a lot mm-hmm. of the time, which makes it harder to read. Not that you could ever guess in a million years yeah. what this movie is. Detectives Duquette, played by Kevin Bacon, and Perez, played by Daphne Ruben Vega, are on hand to give a presentation on the subject of sex crimes, but it gives us a chance to meet a couple of the other leads in our picture. Denise Richards as high school queen bee Kelly Van Ryan. Matt, did you go to high school with anyone that looks even remotely like how Denise Richards looks in this movie? I don't think so. (laughs) Could you imagine? I think I would remember that. (laughs) Good grief. (laughs) Tara Reid auditioned. Richards was apparently kind of unconvincing after the first read, so hmm. they had her come back, and then she was much better and she won the part. I don't know what I mean by this, but I'll say it anyway. I just don't think Tara Reed would have worked at all. She yeah. just doesn't read to me as this type. No. I don't see her having that. Kelly is rich and beautiful and popular, unlike Susie Toller, who we also meet, played by Nev Campbell, 
who is also beautiful but comes yeah. from a poor family living out in a trailer in the Everglades. She is abrasive and what I would describe as quote-unquote alternative, maybe still a little bit of the grunge lingering. Right. I feel like this is going to come off as insulting to an actor, but Nev Campbell definitely always brought a similar presence to every role, which was clear to me because she's playing like a way different character than Sidney Prescott, but you see the crossover. She's definitely the connective tissue. So you're saying limited range. It's like, okay, yeah, that's Nev Campbell. She's not. I'm not like, oh, this is Julie. <laughs> well, her name is Susie. Oh, Susie, yeah. <laughs> that's why. Well, she storms out of the assembly saying, I'm out of here. This prick can kiss my ass, directed toward Duquette, Oof. indicating some kind of history there. Right. Believe it or not, the history between them actually is crucial to the plot. Well, if Every- you thought it was a little weird, it is, because Denise Richards was 27 and Nev Campbell was 24 at the time. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> not really the most believable high schoolers totally. ever. And then you have the cheerleaders in the very next sequence, and you're like, what, what is going on? Yeah. Am I being punked right now? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? It is strange. They don't do it as much anymore, and when they do, they really target early 20s mm-hmm. and people that look young, but yeah, there... It was definitely a 90s there trope, There was definitely for an sure. era, yeah, where, where was everyone like, was so old in high like school. Like, pushing 30. Well, the one yeah. actress on 90210, I believe, was 30 wow. when she started, yeah. right? Something I think so. Something like that. Yeah, it's bizarre. Kelly flirts shamelessly with Mr. Lombardo. Yeah, not really secretive about it. Wants to wash his Jeep with her friend Nicole as part of some seniors fundraising BS thing. And then asks him for a ride home. Lombardo is sheepish, uncomfortable, playing it like he doesn't know what to do. When you really think about it, since they're the only two there aside from fucking Jimbo, they're really putting on <laughs> yeah. all of this just for Jimbo. Right. I know. <laughs> I guess he would be a guy that goes on to probably be questioned yeah, well, they're thinking they need Jimbo to be able to testify that this yeah, happened. Because yeah. there's so many different layers to all this I know. shit. But yeah, that's what's kind of cool about Wild Things is there are things that you would peel back the layer and in most movies you'd be like, I lost the motivation. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. But there's several times in this film where if you pay attention, it seems like they are intentionally making sure witnesses are seeing certain things at certain times. And that's right. For as absurd as it is, yeah. I have to say it feels airtight. I don't know if it I, well, is. I'm not claiming I, it is, but well, it feels like it. It's one of those things where the movie is easily dismissed as just throwaway trash, but every moment matters, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it's very fun. Yeah. <laughs> to make things less awkward, Sam offers to drive Jimbo home, too, so that he's not alone one on with Kelly, and then... Kelly goes through the charade of acting as if she's annoyed yeah. that Jimbo's coming. And a lot of this is done for the benefit of the audience, too. I will fully admit that. And they do really lean into that a couple of times where you're like, well, obviously, this is only to do full us and totally. no one else. Yeah. But they have a run in with Susie on the way out of the parking lot. And Kelly very loudly says to Jimbo, Where'd she get those shoes? Whores for less? Ha. <laughs> Not a great burn. Implies hatred and rivalry between Kelly and Susie. They're all doing this in front of a witness, of course. Lombardo and Jimbo 
drop Kelly off at a huge gated mansion, but here's where things start to get a little twisted with old Sammy boy. Kelly's mother is Sandra Van Ryan, played by Teresa Russell, walking onto the little outdoor balcony in a robe and what is either underwear or a bikini. I'm not really sure what Unclear. is happening. Maybe it doubles. But she and Sam used to be lovers, and that also is sort of key. As viewers, we're supposed to see that her mother infuriates Kelly. That's pretty obvious. Definitely. And ultimately... Mom, you're embarrassing me. Not being done intentionally for the benefit of anyone. I think that's supposed to kind of be real. Definitely. I guess. I think so, because it's clear when there's scenes between just the two of them. We should point out that Teresa Russell, in real life, is only 14 years older than Denise Richards, but that would still technically then make her old enough to have a child who's a senior in high school. Yeah, true. Not 27, maybe, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looks brand new. Aren't you forgetting something? <laughs> Your coupon. We gotta have it. Oh yeah, that thing. Uh, can't we just... Rules are rules, Mr. Lombardo. <laughs> okay, let me look for it. Uh, Mr. Lombardo? We're running kind of late. How about if Nicole goes on to the Mansons? You could give me a ride when you find the ticket. No, no. Just give me a minute. Okay. Go. Are you sure? That weekend, Kelly and Nicole show up at Sam's house to wash his Jeep. Barbara Baxter, played by Jennifer Taylor, Sam's gal pal, was just on her way out. She's sort of a highfalutin local hottie, super rich. Sam, we gradually learn, doesn't really fit in with this society. He's more of an outsider, considers himself more blue-collar, totally. humble. Yep. But... The insinuation ends up becoming that he desperately wanted to be a part of this and wanted to marry Rich and get into this society. Well, it's easy to draw those conclusions when you see the women that he's dating around town. So I found this a little bit weird, but I guess it's maybe just a coincidence. 
the actress that plays Barbara Baxter is Jennifer Taylor. And if you look at her IMDb, one of her most known roles was being in 36 episodes of Two and a Half Men. Oh. As a recurring girlfriend of Charlie Sheen wow. in the show, which was also Denise Richards' husband totally. at one point. It has kids with, and she was also a love interest on, on Two and a Half Men. Oh, okay. And I was wondering, is there any connection? Yeah. Like, is that how, or is it just a coincidence? I don't know. I don't know why I found that weird. I guess people are in the same thing sometimes, but it, I don't know. It just seemed strange yeah, to me. I think it's noteworthy. The car washing and everything that comes with it, it's quite a sequence. Pushing a lot of boys headfirst into puberty. Yeah. Two beautiful girls spraying each other with hoses. There's a lot of suds <laughs> and soaps and clinging shirts and all of that kind of stuff. The camera lurid and lingering it's all an effective and comprehensive masquerade because again once you start getting into the story you're like well everything that they do seems to be for someone's benefit so they're actually play acting this whole thing although i guess nicole thinks it's real i don't know why she'd be included kelly orchestrates a scenario where nicole leaves and she's essentially alone with sam in her drenched clothing clinging to her body a little bit see-through it's quite a setup in her essay titled let's twist again sex murder and the late 20th century hollywood thriller mm. and bilson notes the film's frequent use of narrative obstruction which prevents us from knowing the truth until the film's ready to reveal it she writes for the first act it sets itself up as a slick and sleazy melodrama with the camera ogling 20 something actresses playing high school girls in crop tops and cutoffs all this is thrown for a loop when spoiled rich girl Kelly Van Ryan, soon after flirting outrageously with her school counselor Sam Lombardo, accuses him of rape. This is where the first of the black holes comes in. The film cuts away from the incident itself, so we don't know what to believe. This is nothing unique to this film, but it's a technique employed in these types of films, whether you're talking about knives out or anything where there's some sort of a mystery as part of it the film picks and chooses what we as the audience get to see but there are other moments throughout that are constructed in a similar fashion where something is happening directly for our benefit and our benefit only totally i'll cite at least one example when we get to it because there's one i'm thinking of in particular it does seem like kelly reapplied the water before entering sam's house (laughs) because in the moment where we see her and Nicole in the driveway, she seems almost dry. And then when she's standing right inside of his door, she's completely dripping wet again. Right. <laughs> so I know. she reapplied water. <laughs> <laughs> but again, for whose benefit? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Although I guess if she just wanted to be sexy. Well, never hurts to have a little effort. I love that we get a scene of Sandra fucking her young Latin lover. This is nuts. Great commitment from yeah. Teresa Russell. I think it's one of the... Fully naked. Yeah. The underappreciated sexy scene of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it got a little overshadowed. And it's so gratuitous. Yeah. It's like a side character. Yeah. <laughs> she calls Sam when she discovers Kelly skips school. Her calling Sam directly shows a closeness, a familiarity. It hints at the backstory. They immediately turn the conversations onto themselves. Yeah, They're off Kelly. I know. You really think you're going to get one of these blue babe women to marry you? That kind of a thing. And there's something decadently appealing about yeah. this to me. For some reason, I think the appeal is 
adults acting like right. kids is always appealing. To I know. Me. Well, I also like the Lombardo motivation thing. Just that this guy is trying to be like the meal ticket. You know what I mean? He's trying to pull this uh, some rich babe. Yeah. It's something about life feeling like it's not over because the drama and bullshit isn't over. I yeah. think is why some adults do end up acting like this. I don't have a lot of experience, but there were people that I knew in my life whose parents still sort of acted like teenagers sometimes. I've been around it, yeah. And it was always very weird and jarring because totally. my parents were so not like that. Same. And so it would always throw me for a loop, but even though I get why it's irresponsible when you have your own kids, mm-hmm. I do get the appeal because I think for some people... They just happen to like that kind of stuff. That's what they like. They're addicted to drama. It's fun. And so they kind of carry on. And she is single. Her husband commits suicide. Totally. So she's yeah. fucking this guy and flirting with this guy, giving him shit that she used to have sex with. It would be exhausting, but knowing it's possible to still behave like that is oddly comforting, even though there's no chance I'll do it. <laughs> but I, I like it for some reason. Yeah, I, I get you. Kelly's outside skeet shooting. It's a hilarious image, honestly. Rich people, just sports. Yeah. strange about seeing Denise Richards do this. <laughs> what is it? I miss Dad. Jesus. I miss him, too. Sometimes I... No, you don't. He didn't have to kill himself, Kelly. <sighs> Kelly, I... I did it. I really don't. Can I? Can I get you anything? I'm. Do you want a Valium? I was raped. What? I was raped by Sam Lombardo. Sam Lombardo? Kelly confesses to her mother that she was raped by Sam Lombardo. Sandra seems more outraged that it was Sam specifically than she is about what's happened to her daughter. There's a little bit of subtlety tucked into some of these moments amongst what otherwise on the surface seems like the least subtle movie ever made. But they sort of double down on it immediately when they're in the police station. But yeah, if you read that scene between Richards and Russell where she's first telling her about being raped, you just tell by the acting that the point that you're supposed to get is that Sandra is interpreting it as an action done to her. Mm -hmm. And then she confirms it in a minute or two in the police station, but... Yeah, there are little nice, subtle nuggets in this film, which is why I think it it elevates what seemingly is very tawdry and sleazy material. But totally. There is sort of a craftsmanship to the acting and the, I think so. the storytelling. And like I said, it feels airtight. Don't write it <laughs> off so end. quick. Yeah. <laughs> the start of this conversation is insane, too. Kelly is crying. Her mom asks what's wrong. She says, I miss dad. Mm-hmm. 
Sandra. Me I do too. too sometimes. sometimes. Awkward pause. He didn't have to kill himself, yeah, Kelly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they are in the police station, she blurts out, that son of a bitch must be insane to think he can do this to me. That's what Sandra says. Yeah, yeah. About her Quickly rape. becomes about her. It's all very incestuous, too. The Van Ryan family council is none other than Tom Baxter, played by Robert Wagner, mm-hmm. father of Barbara, Sam's current main squeeze. And then, of course... Not for very long, though. Why wouldn't they be assigned to this case? Because they really seem to be the only detectives in Blue Bay. Duquette and Perez yeah. put on the case. Just work 24 hours a day. They seem to be... Almost like Law and Order SVU, like they say that sex they were crimes. sex crimes. Yeah. But then later in the movie, they're investigating things that are, they're hard to really claim are sex crimes. Yeah, I don't that's really on their own time. Yeah, it does seem like they just do whatever they right. want. <laughs> they're constantly being threatened, but then they just do it yeah. anyway. <laughs> the DA, played by Jeff Perry, who I would describe as a cross between Jeremy Renner, Ben Mendelsohn, and maybe Robert Wool. Yeah, he does have a distinct presence to it's very midwestern yeah he seems a little out of place in florida maybe right. he's from chicago or something yeah, yeah. came down he's a total politician he's yeah. scared of sandra her money tom baxter rightfully so though trying to dance through yeah. the raindrops now if you were wondering okay so where are we fucking at with this month jesus christ everything is rape 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 with one trashy summer every movie yeah. well this movie is no different i guess Although it does turn out to not really be the case, but man, they really revel in some of how salacious this all gets. But to compare it to our last episode, there's still some element of fun in this movie that prevents it from feeling soulless like Definitely, yeah. Because even when we get to this fucking part, Mm -hmm. where the way that they've decided to plant the seed with the police the M.O., if you will, is yeah. to have Lombardo's thing that he says to his rape victims be, no little girl can ever make me come," <laughs> And the joy they seem to have yeah. to say these lines to put this into this movie. <laughs> I know. This movie is undoubtedly trashy, but unlike Kinjite, I would say this is the fun side yeah. of trashy. And they're definitely having a go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be absurd, obviously. My daughter does not get raped in Blue Bay. And you're saying that Sam Lombardo raped her. That son of a bitch must be insane to think he can do this to me. We understand your feelings, Miss Van Ryan, but please, we need some time with Kelly. We'd like to take her statement alone. Are you all right with this, baby? Would you like to take a break for a minute? I just want to get it over with. We'd like to videotape this statement. I know this isn't pleasant, Kelly, but these are serious charges and we need to know everything that happened between you and Mr. Lombardo. Are you ready? started rubbing my shoulders. I let him. 
I mean, he's a nice guy. The next thing, his hand was in my shorts. You know, from behind. His fingers. His fingers. Take your time. They were in me. Both places, you know? Did he put himself inside you? <laughs> yes. I said, stop. I screamed. I mean, that's how it sounded in my head. He hurt me. Did you try to fight him? I... Well, he had my wrists pinned behind me. Then what? He kept saying, let it happen. Let it happen. And then he just stopped. You mean he withdrew? I don't know. It's really hard to remember exactly. Try, Kelly. I know one thing he said. He said, don't worry, I didn't come. I can't forget that. He said, no little girl can ever make me come. No little girl can ever make me come. Jesus. Too bad we might have had some physical evidence. Huh? What? Maybe there's no physical evidence because nothing happened. You want my gut? There it is. I think she's acting. I think she set it up to be alone with him so that he could come on to her. She's upset because he didn't. Maybe she set it up that way. Maybe not. I mean, if you ask me, the guy never should have had her out there in the first place, period. Gloria, the line I have on this guy has done half the women in Blue Bay. That doesn't yeah, make right. him a rapist. What about asking her to take a polygraph? What about asking the Pope to take a piss test? This is Blue Bay, Gloria. You ask a Van Ryan to take a lie detector test, and Tom Baxter will cut you off at the knees. What, are you afraid of Tom Baxter now? No, I'm what not. What, are you afraid, afraid of Sandra Van okay. Ryan? End of discussion. You both know what to do. You start with his neighbors, his co-workers, you talk to Kelly's friends. You know what that'll mean for Lombardo. Yeah? And you heard the Van Ryan girl's statement. The guy's dirty. Bring me a case. I did think it was a little outdated to have Perez be the skeptic, which I guess makes me sound like I'm trying to say, like, oh, why is it the woman that's the one that's right? Mm-hmm. But it's more to have a little discomfort now in 2023 with having the woman undermine and try to discredit the young woman's statement. It's just a weird look now. Yeah, it is. Especially post Me Too, which will believe but, me, yeah. we're gonna get to in a yeah, bit. Yeah, how I mean, this I do movie think ages, but... the movie at the time though was just that she was onto it. Right. That's yeah. It. That was the that line of thinking. Was a good cop. She's seeing through it. She's a good cop. Yeah, I definitely think it was intended it right. to be almost pro-feminist, but that's because the view on sexual assault was so different. Yeah. That they wouldn't have even thought about that aspect of it, unfortunately. Of course, Kelly's accusation sends shockwaves through Blue Bay. A scandal like this is blood in the water. Sam facing suspension and ruination, not to mention an arrest and a trial. 
hires attorney Kenneth Bowden, played by Bill Murray, to defend him. Yes, that's right. Bill fucking Murray I know. in this movie is so to bizarre. See yeah. I know that I watched this whenever I watched it for the first time, and then years went by without me watching it again. And this was like a surprise to me. I didn't re- not remember that he was in this movie. Yeah. This was sort of during a darker time in his career in yeah. terms of quality. He hadn't quite fully bounced back. But this year, he was in Wild Things and Rushmore. And yeah. I think that was part of the turning it around, actually. Mm-hmm. As I said in my own stupid letterboxed review, it is sort of a precursor to Sal Goodman, the type of lawyer that For advertises sure. on TV. Now you just look at this role and that's what you see. Ambulance chaser. Yeah. He's wearing a phony neck brace as part of some <laughs> insurance scam going on. One of the things we learned during their initial dialogue is that clearly Sandra Van Ryan is known even outside of the immediate Blue Bay area. That's right. And then based on how much money they end up extorting from her, well, based it on how rich kind she of is, makes yeah, sense. Right. Yeah. I guess her late husband was a big real estate guy, which only gets mentioned, I think, in that little news clip when mm-hmm. the trial starts. It's a real relaxed vibe in Bowden's office. And then his first thing is, let me tell you how I charge. <laughs> which is a good sign, I guess. Definitely. <laughs> Here to see Ken Bowden. They have an appointment? Oh, yeah, uh, Sam Lombardo. Okay, then. Mr. Bowden, your 1030 is here. Can you show him in, please? Mm-hmm. So, what brings you to this part of town? Well, I was until yesterday a guidance counselor at Blue Bay High School. A student there is accusing me of rape. Male or female? The student is Kelly Van Ryan. As in Sandra Van Ryan? As in, I'm fucked. Well, why don't you tell me about it? Oh, shit. Where do I begin? Start with uh, your relationship with the girl, Kelly. She's a student. I was her guidance counselor. Beyond that, there was no relationship. Well, you got nothing to worry about. What, what did you do to your neck? This? I don't have to wear it all the time. There was an insurance guy around here earlier. All right. Let me tell you how I charge. I did think it was weird that there's definitely a blowback on Sam, which I guess would definitely happen, and it is appropriate. He hasn't been arrested yet. But I think in today's culture, yeah, this, if this gets out there that there's an accusation he's at least being put on paid suspension probably he's not yeah. showing up to the school right if a student accused him of absolutely like but that's what happens until he actually gets arrested yeah up until he gets arrested he's walking around getting campus, notes yeah. on paper airplanes <laughs> yeah, right. thrown in his window and stuff it's like <laughs> what the fuck it would be so surreal to go to that school and have that out there and no one acknowledging it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but even if he's still working sam's not welcome at places in town he ends up losing out on barbara obviously that scene with robert wagner like getting in his face (laughs) (laughs) stay the fuck away from my time yeah yeah i love that wagner is dropping like several f-bombs in this movie he's just a dominant presence 
It'll be all I can do to keep her fucking ass out of jail. (laughs) Fucking little ass out of jail. (laughs) One of the weirder moments in this movie is when Sam just gets run off the road. Mm -hmm. And it's by Sandra's lover. Nothing really ever comes of that. Right. I'm actually surprised that when they cut stuff out of the longer cut, that that wasn't something they just took out. Well, I always thought because, like everything else that happens off screen in this movie, it feels like there's something more that went down. Yeah. But you never know. I'm trying to remember if there was anything in the unrated cut that had to do with this, but I, I am nothing I'm remembering had something to do with that. Because you, you would think that he kills this guy or something just because it feels like there's more to this. Yeah. You were expecting there to be more to come, but not. Right. I guess at this point in the film, you have to remember what it was like to see it for the first time. Yeah. And so it's almost like Gone Girl. You right. really don't know what the truth is yet assuming totally. you didn't get anything spoiled yeah yeah so i guess this is just supposed to illustrate how other people are reacting we see him get rejected at the country club barbara out of his life and then this is like part of that like look what's happening the t- whole town assumes he's guilty or whatever bowden may come off as just another cheap lawyer but he certainly knows how to assemble a character assassination as he attempts to take down kelly's credibility making her sound like a drugged-out runaway. Perceptive viewers might feel the tide turning. I think this is intentional. By having Perez openly question Kelly's story right away, and then having Bowden discovering some darkness in Kelly's past, it could seem like, in the world of this movie, Wild Things, like Sam might just get off. Maybe he's innocent, maybe he's not, but it's setting us up for thinking there's a reasonable chance that he could get out of this now. We're mm-hmm. thinking that's where it's heading. That is until Duquette and Perez are called out to the swamp by none other than Susie Toller, who makes a similar accusation against Lombardo. We're introduced to a woman named Ruby, played by Carrie Snodgrass, who I think is most well-known for the film Diary of a Mad Housewife yeah. from 1970, which is sort of an early feminist film. I watched not all that long ago. I guess what we're supposed to take from her is that she's sort of supposed to be thought of as Susie's grandmother. But then in the unrated cut, we learn that she's not actually related to her. Mm. But they never confirm that in the theatrical cut. She's just sort of around. It seems as if Susie actually lives alone in a trailer all to herself amongst a little trailer park. Which is nuts for a high school student. I know. A trailer all to yourself? Alligators for neighbors and pets? No kidding. This is real bayou shit. Kind of a cool little scene. Yeah, yeah. I know maybe not when you're an adult, but thinking back to when you're in high school, this would seem cool. Having your own place? Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Susie's story ends up being taken seriously because she says- Mentions that same thing. That Sam said basically the same thing. A second accusation against Lombardo leads to his arrest and then eventually his trial, which we skip ahead to pretty much because later they refer to three months having gone by. And he is in jail that whole time. Yeah, they do confirm that. Right. Because when they start poking holes in his story, they're like, well, why wouldn't you have brought this up if it would have gotten you out of jail sooner? Yeah. This movie's so convoluted that you're remembering that it's like Kevin Bacon pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so wait, in this scenario, they want his partner to be onto him too? Right. Is he trying to convince yeah. her? I don't know. 
The trial, of course, is a local media bonanza and sideshow. Sandra is front and center, dressed in a bright yellow outfit with a giant hat. (laughs) Everyone feels very much like they're playing a part in some big charade that they may only be vaguely aware of, which is kind of what's happening. I like how they're able to convey that to me without it giving it away, though. Like, it does feel surreal and like everyone's sort of acting, but that's what's fun about it. Totally. Because later, half the people were acting, I guess. Bowden arrives in a taxi, (laughs) (laughs) semi-disheveled. As you might imagine, the trial is a full-blown circus. Kelly and her story stand up to cross-examination on day one, complete with plenty of tears. However, the next day, Susie succumbs to some relatively mild pressure from Bowden. Yeah, really. And admits that she and Kelly concocted the false allegations to get revenge on Sam Susie for his failure to bail her out of jail on a minor drug charge, and Kelly for Sam fucking her mother instead of her. (laughs) Kelly flips out and throws a glass of water at Susie, who's still on the stand, confirming her admission in the eyes of the You do like this guy going to jail for three months, and on day two of this trial, they figure out it's a sham. (laughs) He's been her whole fantasy since her old man died, and then she found out that Mr. Lombardo was doing her mom, and that was it. What? Kelly! What? You skate-deep bitch! Get your fucking hands off of me! Don't you have one, man! I'm gonna have you fired! Yeah, and I don't think it's until every single thing is revealed in this movie, yeah. including the last mid credit scene, right. where... Susie buckling so quickly actually fully makes sense Mm -hmm. because then they bring it up in their scene together later Yes, as sort of like a nod to what they did. So this is what we have to address. I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't. We have two false rape allegations. In reality, these are extremely, extremely rare. And in my personal opinion, fictional material should, of course, never be used as justification for not believing or dismissing real-life allegations of sexual assault. Certainly, this movie would be significantly different in a post-Me Too world. not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that is a fact. There's no way this movie would be like this now. There's just no way. In the aftermath, Lombardo and Bowden negotiate an $8.5 million settlement for defamation, which Sandra pays out using funds from a trust Kelly would receive only upon Sandra's death. This is some of the subtle hilarity of this film, Bowden showing up in that new convertible. He's got that ridiculous (laughs) Kangol hat. (laughs) Just the way he's acting. I know. This was the case of a career for him. Yeah, you have the feeling he was pretty much a career loser, and then now he's struck it big. There's just one banger after another with this movie because the next scene is when Sam's collecting his things out of his office and then has that confrontation with Kelly in the hall. (laughs) I hate you. And then she basically is just like explaining to the audience what happened. Right. She had to use money from my trust that I couldn't touch until she died. (laughs) Just like explaining it all. Wild Things follows in a fun, erotic thriller, neo-noir lineage. Of course, the obvious thing you think of is body heat with the Florida location. The sweatiness. Sweaty. Yeah. Got that stickiness down in your nethers. Weird love affairs that you're not really sure whose side everyone is on. 
And then you go from body heat to double indemnity, which basically was retold in body heat. (laughs) (laughs) If body heat was double indemnity without having to worry about the haze code, then wild things is body heat with the morality meter turned down to zero and the absurdity meter cranked to the max. (laughs) Because some of the leaps and jumps and twists that Wild Things attempts, it really takes huge balls. Totally. (laughs) Because if this comes out even 10% less enjoyable, you're really really questioning what the fuck you just watched. (laughs) At night, returning to the seedy motel room where he is now staying, Lombardo is startled to find Kelly already there waiting for him, and slowly the master plan is revealed. Yes, Susie arrives too, and we discover that all three were accomplices using the trial as a means to extort money from Sandra. So you got my mom's money. How much? How much? You know how much. Your turn to pay. Whoa, it worked! We screwed the bitch! (laughs) It worked just like you said. What's wrong? You scared the shit out of me. What's wrong? You're coming here. That's what's wrong. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy. Ask my mom. So how much is eight and a half million divided by three? Oh! <laughs> Great. Yeah, big joke, huh? Big joke. Everyone thinks this is really funny, huh? You think this is fucking over? Let me tell you something. It's a long fucking way from over. Serious. After tonight, the three of us are not to be seen together again. After tonight? Yeah, well, we're here, aren't we? <laughs> so maybe one celebration is okay. If we're in agreement, and from here on out, you do exactly as I say. So this is it. (laughs) This is the scene that made Wild Things the holy grail at sleepovers for a five-year stretch. A celebratory threesome between Sam, Kelly, and Susie. I do enjoy Sam's approach in this scene because at first he's pissed. Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? You're going to blow the whole thing. And they're they're like, oh, should we leave then? He's like, well, you're already here. I guess maybe one celebration. And then we go our separate ways. Yeah, they play it a little bit like 
a horror movie tease. Yeah. Where she comes out of the bathroom, you're not sure what's going on. Right. She's got the champagne bottle under a towel, so you're like, is this supposed to be a gun or a knife or something? Yeah, yeah. They play a little bit of a horror music totally. there. Much like Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis in Black Swan or Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried in Jennifer's Body, two hot young stars locking lips on film. Huge media sensation. Dominated a lot of the discussion about Gets, this movie. Gets uh, people's attention. Like I said, I don't think it would really now move the meter much now. I wouldn't think. According to Nev Campbell in an interview for Entertainment Weekly at the time of the film's release... She, Denise Richards, and Matt Dillon all got slightly drunk on tequila in order to get past the nervousness of doing the three-way love scene. Hmm. In the original draft of the screenplay, the object Kelly is holding underneath the towel in the threesome scene wasn't a bottle of champagne, as is seen in the film, but a novelty penis. Wow. What does that mean? Don't know. Dildo? I guess. Is that a novelty penis? (laughs) Because if it's something smaller than a dildo, then I'm... I'm not sure what the point of it is. What is she doing? (laughs) Is it just for decoration? (laughs) It's just for decoration, man. That's it. Nev Campbell had a strict no nudity clause due to her involvement with Party of Five. Honestly, I don't really know what that means, but I'm I'm assuming they just didn't want her to. I don't know. That is weird. I do love the scene still, though. It still gets a little bit of a rise out of me just because... I am taken back a little bit to remembering first seeing this. Yeah. And it was a big thrill for me. I am pretty much exactly that right age that would have been peaking. Yeah. Right. Peaking. <laughs> peaking in puberty, I yeah. mean. Right as this was becoming a thing on VHS and showing up at people's houses. For mind completely blown. Whatever. Yeah, and it was pre-internet is what yeah. I mean. So you're hitting that, but you really haven't seen anything. And this is a lot to digest. You've got champagne being spilled on breasts yeah pocketing panties (laughs) which i don't remember much about what we talked about the first time we did wild things but i have a feeling we really talked about that well that did jump out to me the first time i ever saw this because i was like whoa this is a different side of mr lombardo (laughs) (laughs) but even beyond the salacious elements which are great this is a really fun scene i love watching the looks of jealousy between Kelly and Susie. I know. Because no matter Denise what... Denise Richards is really selling it. With all of the twists, there are certain things you buy a little bit in this film. Even mm. if it is a work, you don't yeah. care. You still kind of buy it. And even if they're all ready to betray each other at a moment's notice, I do think the sexual rivalry and chemistry between the two girls mm-hmm. is real. real. Yeah, Even if... It's all part of the show and Uh part of the fun. But we're learning as we go, the relationship dynamics. Nothing is settled, we're finding out. Yes, they work together, but there's no plan to be together. This was a scam. Mm -hmm. They weren't, as you were alluding to, a thruple. That wasn't actually a thing. Yeah. But as people just learning this information, we don't know, so we're kind of taking this as we go. I don't think it's exactly how either girl would like it to be. It seems like they're They'd at be least fine. pretending that they want more yeah. to be happening, whereas Lombardo seemingly wants this just to be over and to get away from it. According to Sam, this is supposed to be the end of the line. No more contact, but clearly that doesn't work. No one's happy with that. There's too much mistrust. 
But it's not going to be a clean getaway, though. That would be way too easy. It's Duquette who suspects that something is wrong. He wonders why Lombardo never mentioned a prior relationship with Sandra Van Ryan. He thinks the trio might be working a scam. Against the wishes of the district attorney's office, Duquette continues investigating Lombardo. Who's now a rich man in town. Yeah. How does this all work, these types of payouts? Well, he didn't officially sue her. Yeah. So they drop a contract saying that he won't, and right. then they just this write him a, a check. Sweet. So they, just because they didn't have to go through any right. legal system, they could just really end it immediately. Yep. Part of what makes this sleazy though is how Perez constantly defends Lombardo, and then they insinuate later in the movie that she would have willingly had sex with him in the hotel room. Yeah, I know. That is a fun, sleazy element that you would never get away with now either because she's the one that didn't believe the women, doubles, triples down on it, and then is willingly going to sleep with the guy who is also a villain. Right, right. (laughs) I know. And I so wanted it to happen. Oh, yeah. By that point in the movie, you're primed and ready. Yeah. Anything, please. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep going. some reason why you're here curiosity i guess about what how to improve your breaststroke no actually i was curious about how you see things working out for you and sam and susie excuse me three of you gonna go down to the caribbean together live happily ever after because see the thing about it is that threesomes rarely work out you're out of your mind i mean it's hard enough for one person to keep a secret let alone three Especially when two of them are in love. You and Sam don't really want that little pill head around now that you have the money, do you? Am I right? Sam sell you on the idea right up front of whacking Susie? Hey! That's murder, kid. Police, God, get a life. You're good, you know that? But you don't think that little freak Susie's gonna hold up, do you? Well, another moment that just sent shockwaves through the prepubescent community of boys seeing this movie back in the day. Let's talk about Kelly's one-piece swimsuit that she's wearing in public. Yeah, That is literally (laughs) (laughs) see-through. I've never seen anything like this because it's not even white. (laughs) I know. It is one of a kind. Duquette is looking for weaknesses in the trio. Kelly first and then Susie. The history that we learn about is that Susie recently lost her best friend who Mm -hmm. was murdered, the death of Davy, which 
I don't really think they ever fully commit until the very end yeah. what exactly happened. So you're kind of confused. Clearly, it had something to do with Duquette, but they never really commit to what that was. So Susie sort of seems like she's going to crack under the pressure. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, is that just a continuation of the bit because she did in the courtroom? To put that out there. Well, here, here's, We're taking this to levels that they never thought teaser. about. Yeah. When she's doing the freaking out, whose benefit is that for? Yeah. Just Kelly? Or is it also for Duquette? I felt like it was for Duquette, but... Because when you go through it logically, the freak out has to be done in conjunction with Lombardo. But Lombardo the, has to be in on yes, the freak out because right. they have to do the murder yeah. together. So whose benefit is the freak out for? I guess it can only be for Kelly. Or they need Duquette to know that, think that too. But Duquette has been involved since Jump Street. Yeah, but I'm going by who's left out at the end. Yeah. If you're thinking last step. I guess it's, yes. Then I, Or do you in think he's case, in on everything until the last step? I was thinking he was in on everything until the last step, but... But he wouldn't have been because yeah, there's a fake murder. True. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't think we really even questioned any of these twists. I know. The first time it's we a... talked about this movie, we were just like, yeah, this is all great. On the up and up. I actually think it is kind of... You have to allow for a little suspension of disbelief and a little bit of playing for the camera. And so, yeah. You know what's so weird? We just went into that naturally, and then I look down at the next thing I've written. It says, trying to remember Susie's motivations during her meltdown here. Yeah, I know. It, it okay, just yeah. naturally came up again. It's like, <laughs> like, who is this for exactly? Right. <laughs> the next time we see Kelly, she's rocking a two-piece now. Just swimsuit to swimsuit. Yeah, it's a whole line. So some things have been filled in a little bit. We understand a little bit more of the backstory between Susie and Duquette. We understand her outburst at the assembly. It had something to do with the death of Davey. He's also the arresting officer when she got busted for pot, which I think the first time you see the movie, you don't even question. And then right. the second time, you might be wondering, well, why is this sex crime guy going all in on a marijuana bust? Like, for a high schooler. Yeah. yeah, what's going on here? Duquette's strategy is to spread uncertainty and to make someone, particularly Susie, think they're getting cut out of the deal altogether. Although, as we've already established, it's impossible to know if Duquette is actually working with Susie or never working with Susie, just working with Lombardo. I know right. we're giving it away, but hopefully people aren't <laughs> aren't experiencing wild things for the I first know. time this way. But the <laughs> thing is, when you get to those after-credit sequences, or I guess mid-credit, whatever it is. Yeah. Susie was the one that originally put the Duquette train in motion, right? Yeah. I mean, she's the one that is like, Lombardo, we got to go talk to this guy. I know she's not there for that handoff, but it seems like... Well, in that moment, you're supposed to know that Duquette is just a mark. Yeah. So we still don't actually know what all he's been let in on. True. They could just let him in on what he needed to know. Right. Which is what she does to everyone. Yeah. Because really, when you think about it, Lombardo has only been let in on what he needed to know, too. Totally. <laughs> Susie is the mastermind. Right. So we know that she's acting. We knew that. Yeah. But no, I know. the brain teaser part is wondering who is if, it? Who's the performance for? I just assume that Duquette is not in on anything to do with Susie being a part of the planning. Like, he doesn't know that she's a planner. So. Yeah. He's doing this for real, thinking that he's actually unsettling her, which is what she wants him to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Oh, no. They're playing each other. We're lost in the weeds. We're never coming out of this. (laughs) We're in the swamp. Duquette tells Kelly and Susie that Sam has already transferred the money to an offshore account. Susie calls Sam, but he doesn't answer. She panics and then shows up at Kelly's house, where Kelly tries to calm her down. Kelly, however, receives a call from Sam, and she tells him they may have to get rid of Susie. By the pool, Susie slaps Kelly... They have what can only be described as the most iconic fight of all time, <laughs> but end up making out. Yeah. How um, awesome fights go. Unbeknownst to them, Duquette is watching and filming them. Which he'll go on to get eviscerated to do, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. It's like an insane move for an officer. Yeah. And well, if you think it's all part of the plan, which I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. He is kind of risking. Maybe it going a little too far. Especially like when they... up the plane yeah. or something. <laughs> I can't believe you called Sam. What's the matter with you? I am scared. That's what I'm scared. There's no one to trust. You can trust me. Kelly, is Susie there? Yeah. Christ, I was afraid. She left this insane message on my machine. Between whatever she's been smoking out there and this fucking cop you catch, she's gonna blow it. Calm the bitch down. Why can't you come, please? Sam, I miss you so much. I miss you too, Kelly. But I can't right now. We gotta stick to the plan, okay? If she can't get a fucking grip. Then what? You know what? I'll handle it. But I need you, Kelly. I need you to be there for me tonight, okay? Okay. Good. That's my girl. You're the strong one, you know that? Now get Susie, put her on the line. I want you both to hear this. Susie. Sam? Now look, we gotta stay calm, all of us. Now, since the settlement, um, people think I'm rich, so I'm out there spending money doing what rich guys do. Now, this cop, Duquette, he's going to try and fuck with you. Don't let him. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. Susie, but... don't fall apart. The only people who can fuck this up is us. You... You are going to fuck me over, aren't you? Oh, sake you are are you retarded or just brain dead from whipping fumes out there in the swamp that's what i am to you isn't it swamp trash just like my mom don't you stupid cop
Another fun thing to think about is how much acting Susie is doing. Yeah. Because there are plenty of moments in this film where you could definitely buy that she is actually sexually submissive Mm -hmm. and that she does have sexual feelings, at least, for Kelly. Right. And that it isn't all an act. But I guess the more likely scenario is that it's part of the act. But I don't know. It's very convincing and weird. Kelly is this aggro queen bitch (laughs) and brings it into the bedroom. (laughs) I dare say. (laughs) Totally. She brings that energy in. Absolutely. Kelly's in love with Sam, though. That is real. Definitely. For sure. That has to be part of it. As I said, Kelly ends up being the dom, though, when it comes to Susie. As you mentioned, Duquette gets fucking screamed at, underage porno tape. What the fuck are yeah, you doing? Yeah, really? <laughs> they were just like, who gives a shit about Sandra Van Ryan's money? If they did do something, we're done with it. Yeah. No one's blaming us in the press, so right. we're not going to have to take heat for this. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Move on. There's no case here. <laughs> He's like, don't you see? They fooled us. They're like, we don't care. I know. So what? Yeah. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, the DA and Perez are kind of on the same page, but Perez is still pretty loyal to Duquette, though. She yeah. does a lot of things that he wants her to do, and by all indications, she's not in on anything, right? Right, right. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I doubt make that, you question I'm like, it, yeah. is she in on this? <laughs> Sometimes when you get to that motel scene with yeah. Lombardo, you're like, is she in There's like one this? more scene where she's like getting a wire transfer to her. That's it. Just an isolated scene. And then whenever they come out of the room after watching this homemade tape that Duquette made, then we find out that he actually brought Lombardo down to the station. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But again, this is one of those moments where we, the audience, are left out of something intentionally. We don't actually see him go arrest him because if, assuming this is all, you know, this is the plan. So it's, you can't see that scene because then we would know that they were just. Right. Willingly going together to the police station and setting it up. A few nights later at the beach, Kelly and Susie arrive together, but then Lombardo shows up and bludgeons Susie to death with a champagne bottle while Kelly waits nearby. Three's a crowd, after all. The two of them drive to the swamp where Lombardo disposes of the plastic wrapped body. She's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wrapped in plastic. When we know the full story, it's clear that some of this is done for our benefit and our benefit only. And This is the moment I was talking about. We see some POV from Susie, which makes it seem like she's completely fucked up and out of it. Mm-hmm. She's clearly like the not. The stars are faded or they're like blurry. Yeah. So we're supposed to believe, oh yeah, she's really fucked up and out of it. But then when we see the reveal later that she's soberly pulling out her own teeth and that whole thing that's mm-hmm. going on. She clearly wasn't all fucked up. They were, so why do we get this POV? Yeah, it's just deceiving. for our benefit. Yeah. yeah. Imagine the potential power couple Kelly and Susie could have been together in Blue Bay mm-hmm. if they would have just been somewhat normal and just dated each other in high school. Yeah. The destruction left in their wake, <laughs> <laughs> taking that town apart. Yeah. No one would have ever recovered. Yeah. <laughs> Great line here when they put Susie's body which Kelly assumes is dead, mm. in the trunk of the Range Rover. She yeah. says, my mom would kill me if she knew I took the Rover. <laughs> That's her big <laughs> thought. <laughs> oh, dude, there's one line that also had me losing it that was way back, but when Kelly was describing the rape, 
with Mr. Lombardo, and she talks about his shitty house. <laughs> Just had to get that zinger in there. <laughs> I know. That was a great detail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she comes off as like an elitist bitch, even yeah, when she's right. crying on the stand. <laughs> Duquette, feeling vindicated, and also Perez, investigate Susie's disappearance. Duquette crowing, saying, well, they definitely killed Susie. I told you. They are literally the only detectives in Blue Bay, evidently. Because yeah. I know that Susie was connected to a rape accusation that just fell apart. I think it's a stretch to consider a missing person, which is all that it is at first, to be any jurisdiction of sex crimes investigated. Right. That's weird, right? Definitely. I guess unless These guys they, work around the clock. I guess unless they suspect she was kidnapped for sex trade, but they don't, so I don't know. Just not a big force here locally. Susie's blood and teeth are found at the beach while her car is located at a bus terminal. The DA's office again insists that Duquette drop the case, <laughs> but he asks Perez to keep an eye on Lombardo. While Kelly and Lombardo talk on the phone, planning their escape from Florida, Perez arrives at the seedy motel. When Sam gets off the phone with Kelly, he goes out to Perez's car and invites her inside. He shows her his files from the school on Kelly, which suggests she is troubled and violent. And then, yeah, it really really feels like Sam and Perez are going to fuck. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> a lot of tension in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> because even when he gets up from the bed, I know she does that little where she almost leaned in like he's, he was going to kiss oh, her. He's got her in a trance. <laughs> Do you think Matt Dillon is really that good looking of a guy? I don't know. I never really... I'd love to have some of our female listeners weigh in. Is Matt Dillon considered a sexy guy? I can remember... And Not it had... that he's bad looking, just to be like to this level. I can remember, and it had to be in like middle school for me when this movie came out, but I do kind of remember some of the girls liking him then, but... I could see I... him being a teen heartthrob and yeah. outsiders. Right, but yeah. I don't know. He's kind of got like that big forehead look, which I can relate to, of course. Right. But... Well, and then his brother always seems so goofy, so I feel like that detracts for him. <laughs> he loses points. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can always like kind of see it. You're like, oh. yeah, I'm kind of seeing Kevin Dillon here, too. Oh, so like Frank Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but his career is like hard to really put a finger on, too. You're like, what Like what happened right after this? Yeah, it's weird because this was this the same year as There's Something About Mary? This would have been like a big year. He might have yeah. been like peak... Second peak. Right. He's still kind of around, I guess. No, yeah. When's the last time you can even remember seeing him in something? A leading man? No. Yeah. Just in anything. Right. I feel like we're forgetting something obvious. There has to be something important, but I don't know what it was. Oh, the house that Jack built. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Which obviously is not super mainstream and money-making, but I actually thought he was really good in it, and it's such a bizarre, fascinating, horrific movie that... Might be worth revisiting down the line. Peeping in people's windows. Isn't that against the law? Susie Toller's missing. Since when? She didn't come home last night. We found her car at the bus terminal. Ray thinks she was murdered. Well, I don't know what to tell you. You could tell me where you were last night. I suppose I could, but I don't really have to now, do I? 
I want to show you something. Looks like goodbye. Kelly's file. Read it. You're going to find an angry, sexually confused girl who threatened the lives of at least two people. What two people? Well, one of them was her mother. The other one was a, a female classmate. She may have been sexually involved with. Susie? Now you get the file. Read it. I think it'll give you a new perspective on things. Why didn't you tell us about this before the trial? Because then I had principles. They meant a lot to me. Now, I don't care. Meanwhile, while that's going on, Duquette goes to the Van Ryan's guest house to confront the scared and upset Kelly. He enters without knocking, and a struggle ensues. The camera remains outside. Kelly and Duquette evidently shoot each other inside. Sandra rushes over as Duquette stumbles out of the house. He has sustained a gunshot wound to the shoulder, while Sandra discovers Kelly dead from two shots to the chest. Duquette claims he was forced to shoot Kelly in self-defense. No charges are filed against him, but he is dismissed from the force for disobeying orders. Yeah. And for what we learn is not his first murder. Right. (laughs) And basically they're just like, look, we rule it a clean shooting, but all these people are dead because of you. That's what they say. (laughs) Well, he was disobeying orders by going there in the first place. And when you're watching this for the first time, not knowing where it's going, kind of a bummer to have Nev Campbell and Denise Richards now out of the movie dead. Totally. You're like, oh, really? Right. (laughs) Out of all of this, in what you would probably believe would have to be the final twist, (laughs) it's revealed that Sam Lombardo and Detective Ray Duquette have been in cahoots the whole time. What? Well, I do remember this one being a stunner for me. That yeah. First well, this time. is the moment where you have to realize yeah. it's satire because right. it's so absurd. Exactly. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the reveal happening and Kevin Bacon is fully nude. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah, I just wrote down Kevin Bacon hangs dong, mm-hmm. which is so shocking. First of all, so much was made of this. So much was made of this. Completely insane. Bacon has talked on the record about it plenty of times. He was asked nonstop about it in the U.S. and then in Europe. They never mentioned it in any of the press for (laughs) Wild Things. They never asked him about it because they're just way more comfortable with it. And in America, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Bacon, like Campbell, also had a no-nudity clause in his contract, but without giving it much thought, allowed McNaughton to use the shot that he thought looked best 
in a moment of frontal nudity was included in the film, he was surprised by how many questions he got about it at the American press showing, and as I said, not asked at all by the European press. Since he was a producer, he could technically have sued himself. (laughs) True. Yeah. Which would have been a hilarious twist in real life. As I was explaining to you, it was a matter of timing with when the camera was going to shift to that view and when Lombardo throws the towel. Mm -hmm. And that was the one take where it wasn't timed right and you actually see his penis on film. And then for whatever reason, they're like, oh yeah, this was the best one. We got to use this one. (laughs) The original screenplay featured a gay scene between Duquette and Lombardo near the end of the film in which the men kiss in the shower, revealing that, similarly to Susie and Kelly, the two had a homosexual relationship that allowed Lombardo to prey on Duquette in order to manipulate him and ultimately con him out of the money. According to Kevin Bacon, the scene was modified to eliminate any suggestion of a sexual relationship between the men, as the film's financiers didn't like the idea of men making out. They felt it went too far. Although we don't need to see it. We still know it's there. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what I wrote and also was thinking myself. Right. It's very homoerotic anyway. Yeah. But in my remake that I'm going to pitch at the end of this episode, I feel like, yeah, we would definitely go there. We would have that. For sure. For sure. Yeah, we're ready for it Mine would be 10 times sleazier and also much longer (laughs) because there's so many more scenes I need to write. I would include everything that's in this movie. I would just add more to it. It's four hours long. (laughs) Yeah. It's Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Although Sam is displeased Duquette killed Kelly instead of simply framing her for Susie's murder, he agrees that they now have fewer loose ends to deal with. The two go sailing on Sam's boat, where Sam attempts to kill Duquette. When Duquette fights back, he is shot and then killed with a spear gun by Susie, Mm -hmm. who we discover staged her murder with Sam. The Jenny sheet must be caught on something. Why don't you go starboard and see if you can unhook it? I don't understand the words you just said. Okay, Ray. Do you see this line right here? I want you to follow it down, see if you can see what it's snagged on. You killing me. tell you, Ray. One hand for the boat, the other one for yourself. First rule of sailing. You're dead! No, I'm not. 
man, for Christ's sake! Sorry, partner. You really shouldn't have killed Kelly. And you shouldn't have killed that kid out in the glades, either. What's his name? Davy. Davy. So much like Scream, yep. you have an unguessable ending. Right. Because you're definitely not expecting someone to fake their own death. It's definitely a way to cheat out of getting guessed. Yes. But as I said, when you get the reveal of Duquette and Lombardo together, you have to know that we're just having fun and it's a goof. Totally. So having a character not actually be dead is just another hilarious twist to the whole thing. It is weird that leaving Kelly alive was part of the original plan because... She knows a lot. I know these people are just like gone. So your thought process was that they were going to somehow work yeah. Kelly back into the mix? Or at least that's what Sam was thinking before that's he realized what... that Susie had no intention of bringing anyone with her? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I understand why that doesn't make sense. But it also seems like a huge risk to just leave Kelly back and ghost her. Yeah, I guess you could interpret the film in that maybe there was one more twist that Duquette Ruined, ruined yeah. by killing Kelly because he didn't know that there was supposed to be, that he was getting duped twice. Yeah. <laughs> Susie reveals she was motivated to kill Duquette to avenge the murder of her best friend Davy, whom Duquette wrongly shot to death and framed as a self-defense killing. Hence his dismissal from the force for multiple bodies. Mm-hmm. So it was a revenge story. But we're not done yet. <laughs> but wait, there's more. You know we ain't done yet. Yeah. Sam reluctantly accepts a drink from Susie, who assures him she would not double-cross him. That's right. The biggest twist in the movie is that Susie knows how to operate a boat. (laughs) (laughs) However, upon drinking it, he realizes she has poisoned it. He knew. I know. That's the best part about it. Before Susie knocks him overboard and sails into the sunset. This is something that every now and then we do come across. It reminds me of... That logic that they reference in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo about Mm -hmm. the fear of being impolite or being socially weird or anything out of the ordinary. You'd rather avoid that than what you know is wrong. Right. And so he doesn't want to look like a pussy. She dares him by by being like, oh, my God, dude, really? Come on. Come on. Yeah. And he falls for it. I know. I think you just got to trust your gut. Just be like, I'm sorry. That you might get offended by this, but I'm not an idiot. Right. I'm not turning my back on you. Yeah. Sorry if you're offended by that. And you should do the same <laughs> yeah. to me then. But let's say he doesn't take the drink. Uh-huh. What do you do? You're now like 100% committed to this person is going to kill me or I need to kill them. Or we both just need to agree to take our shares of money and... Well, it depends what you think Lombardo would do. Would he yeah. eventually turn on her too? We don't really know. She, It's revealed during the mid-credits scene that she really is the mastermind who puts all of this into motion. So I guess if you factor that in, you assume that he doesn't have some final grand plan that it's all her. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I would imagine if he doesn't take the drink, she's got backup right. methods Death's in mind. planned. Probably. Because they do do the hilarious thing at the end where they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, she's a 200 IQ. She's a genius. Yeah, yeah. By the way. (laughs) They throw that in at the last second. Forgot to mention. (laughs) Sam's knocked overboard. Susie sails into the sunset. Kelly walks out. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Eventually, Perez goes to see Ruby, and Ruby gives us this Duquette backstory mm-hmm. about he would visit prostitutes. Davy was involved with a prostitute, something like that. Isn't yeah. this what all kind of comes out? This is a smear campaign now against Duquette. <laughs> well, he's not going to be around to defend yeah. himself. So basically, it was a lover's jealousy type mm-hmm. thing. He kills Davy, makes it look like self-defense. Susie witnesses it. He frames her for the pot to kind of scare her and be like, look what I can do. Yep. Don't fuck with me. Although, why wouldn't he just kill her? I don't know. It seems like if there's one place you can get away with murder, it's definitely Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Just throw them in the swamps, and then when they're filming a movie, they'll be like, yeah, we'll pull it out when you're done. Yeah, yeah. We're all right. (laughs) Right. We won. Sam, it's over. <laughs> wow. Talk about paranoid. Take a look around us, Sam. You're gonna have to teach me how to drive this thing before I can get rid of you. Huh? Huh? Okay, Toller. I want to trim this cell. Grab a hold of that winch. Fuck the winch. I want to drive. Nah, it doesn't work that way. You don't drive it, you sell it. Now get on that winch. Just want to cruise for a while. (coughs) It's funny. That's one of the first things I noticed about you, Sam. You like to cruise. You take college, for instance. I bet the only classes you took were the ones where the finals were all multiple choice. And you never bought the book. You'd always find some girl to to loan you hers, and then of course you'd have to fuck her after that, right? Is that how it went? Yeah. Well, I've got a good pop quiz for you. Multiple choice, of course. Before sailing away on the Helios, Medea killed King Creon and the princess with... What? A rock? A spear gun? Or... A little poison? Poison! Good guess. I like the little details. They have Ruby's son, Walter, the alligator guy, mm-hmm. with the new truck, and you have Perez noticing the new truck. Yes. And you're like, huh, wonder what, what that means. I don't know if you noticed, Walter played by Mark McCulley, who plays that guy in Killer Joe, Digger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that same dude. <laughs> I always sing of that fucking song. <laughs> yeah, we find out Susie has a 200 IQ She's the mastermind. She's the genius. McNaughton commented in 2018 that he considered Wild Things his most political film due to its focus on social class, concluding, Who wins? The girl from the trailer park. She's all alone on the 90-foot sailboat out on the Caribbean. Pretty much everyone else is dead. 
That was the 90s with the concentration of wealth, but the girl from the trailer park takes them all down. You know, I'm from the striving working class. A lot of the kids I grew up with, the parents didn't care if their kid dropped out of school. But some of us had parents who insisted their children have an education, go to college, escape all that. So that's where my heart always lies. Love it. <laughs> yeah, who would have known that's Wild the things, motivation. the yeah. socialist icon. <laughs> Robbing from the rich to give to the poor. So this is the end. Well, of course, no, it isn't. We have to learn more. And I came across this Roger Ebert quote, which I feel like describes this perfectly. I know. It's, it's weird. Does it seem like this is better left to mystery, or are you happy with these being involved? I think they're kind of fun. They are fun. Would I be bummed if they weren't there? Not really. If I don't this, think you're gaining too much. If this was a different type of movie, I'd probably be like, why did they include this? But it fits this movie. I just like that they're a little bit salacious, too, with yeah, some yeah. of the... The sex stuff. Although I guess that's more in the unrated version, too. Okay. I get them a little confused. Yeah. Roger Ebert liked the film. He he gave it three stars out of four, praising McNaughton's directing and the plot twists. He described it as lurid trash with a plot so twisted they're still explaining it during the closing titles. <laughs> it's like a three-way collision between a softcore sex film, a soap opera, and a B-grade noir. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Siskel gave the film a marginal recommendation. <laughs> I like how they just include that. <laughs> this is a weird movie to be lukewarm on. Yeah, I know. I it feel like you're like either you all in or right. you're all out. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably all out, and then he's, Ebert was pumping it up, and he's like, yeah, I guess it was okay. Several mid credit scenes reveal that Susie was the ultimate mastermind of the plot. Upon finding that Sam and Kelly were in a sexual relationship, Susie blackmailed Sam with photographs of the two using drugs during sex, convincing him to help her scheme. So that answers a pretty big question. Yeah. Why the fuck would a teacher do this? What is his motivation? He seems like he could maybe convince Barbara Baxter to marry him. He's set. What's he doing? Well, he gets caught fucking a student while doing drugs. Yeah. So now he's got something over his head. He's being blackmailed. Susie, He's got some demons that he just, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it does help confirm that the physical relationship between him and Kelly was real. For sure. And so when Susie gets involved in that threesome, for all we know, that's the first time that she's ever had yeah. sex with Sam Lombardo. So yeah. that's why Kelly is actually really jealous. She's like, what, what the fuck is going on? Right. She's not happy that that's actually happening. But... Then it seems like they liked it because maybe that's the first time her and Kelly fooled around mm -hmm. and then they end up doing it later too. I don't yeah, know. I'm trying to piece it. together the past. I got gotcha. you. Susie subsequently orchestrated the meeting between Sam and Ray at a local bar. So she's the puppet master as far as including Ray. The only right. person that doesn't know that Ray is a part of it is, of course, Kelly, who yeah. is murdered by him. <laughs> Later, during her staged murder on the beach, Susie pulled out her own teeth with pliers to make her death appear legitimate. Awful. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. I don't even know if I could do that for $8.5 million. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, if I, I know. Same. It is also revealed that Ray shot Kelly first before shooting himself in the shoulder to pretend he killed her in self-defense. I don't even think we needed to see that. That I was obvious that. from the way it went down. Yeah, and he admits it. But we kind of already knew. I know, confirmed. but it... Without him admitting it, without seeing this, you can tell 
by the sequence of the scene where the camera is outside of it that it's weird. Well, yeah, you of know. Course. If you listen, there's three shots. The, right. the third one is there's a delay, and that's yeah. when he makes a noise. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's the time he right. got shot, which she would already have been dead. Finally, with Kelly, Ray, and Sam all dead, Susie is met by Bowden, who gives her a briefcase full of cash that he describes as just walking around money and a check for millions of dollars. As she leaves, he tells her to be good. So what I was going to say was, ultimately... If you think about it, when you piece all of it together, who looks most sympathetic? It ends up being Kelly. Yeah. Who was left out of everything. Right. (laughs) No one wanted to really scheme with her. Yeah, yeah. She was only on level one. I know. Everyone else at least went to level two or three or four. Yeah. She's only on level one. She thought that the original fake rape thing was the whole thing. Right. There was nothing else. I know. (laughs) Weird to see Bowden pop back up. Yeah, which implies that he's in on it. They do the thing where he questioned her in court. They repeat the lines as if they were rehearsed. So he must have been getting a cut all along, which he would have anyway. So maybe she gave him a bigger cut than he got from Lombardo. I don't know. Weird. Mm -hmm. I think in a way the gay subplot between Lombardo and Duquette actually would have made the whole thing make more sense in terms of motivation. Yeah. Not that it doesn't work because you do believe that Duquette is dirty. Definitely. But it adds another layer yeah. of like why he's motivated to do this. He thinks there's going to be some future together as a couple, and he's just a pawn. Right. I think it's cool that by the end of the film, because of all the twists and turns and the final reveals at the end and all these different changes, there's evolution in each character in terms of audience perception. Kelly goes from sociopathic, sexually dominant, queen bitch to potential victim, whereas Susie goes from the hard-edged girl on the outside to the sexually submissive scaredy cat on the inside to, no, wait, she's actually the criminal mastermind that put this all together. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you keep jumping from thing to thing. I know. What are these people? Who is this person? The tooth shit, of course, there's just no way that a normal person, I think, could do that. I guess unless you were, like, pretty fucked up. Yeah. Which she doesn't seem to be. Well, no, she faked us out. Right, because there'd be no benefit to her actually being yeah. drunk because you're going to have to get out of a swamp and the right. whole thing. And yeah, so I guess Bowden was in on it the whole time. I don't know if that actually makes sense or when she would have approached <laughs> Bowden, know. but that's what at least it seems like. They right. never actually confirm it, but I guess kind of they do. Yeah. I don't know why else he would bring up the fun they had in the court unless they were both in on it. Right. Man, I know this will appeal to you, so I feel like I had to include it Please. in my notes. Literary scholar John Thorburn notes that Wild Things is loosely based on several figures in Greek tragedies, namely Medea, whom he describes the character of Susie as the modern-day version of. He also notes that Kelly functions as a Phaedra-like figure, while Sam exemplifies both Jason and... Hippolytus. I forget how to say this shit. All right. I remember at one point in college, but no, I don't remember these names now. Thorburn suggests that the film's most underappreciated element is screenwriter Stephen Peter's obvious debt to classical mythology tragedy and especially to Euripidean plays Medea and Hippolytus from the 400 BCs. I definitely assumed you picked up on that, but I just wanted to, for the audience's benefit. Yeah, yeah. Just to Thanks. put that out there. Totally did. Real quick, I guess we should mention some of the things in the unrated version, because it's kind of interesting. 
mostly it's just alternate dialogue. The sex scenes are longer. It is actually a little bit more trashy and sleazy. But the two big things are both things at the end. They confirmed that they wanted us to believe that Ruby is Susie's grandmother. And she takes Perez on a tour of Susie's home. And she shows her a family album and reveals she is not Susie's real grandmother, but that she raised her as her own. In an odd twist of events, Ruby reveals that old man Van Ryan, Kelly's grandfather, had once gotten a young girl pregnant. He brought her to the Glades to live in the trailer park where she gave birth and died within a year from alcoholism. Ruby then took Susie in her home shortly afterwards. Ruby then tells Perez that Sandra Van Ryan, Teresa Russell, is Susie's half-sister. So Susie had technically been having sex with her own niece, Kelly, Denise Richards. Hmm. That is all added in pre-credits. That's in the part before Perez goes to talk to Walter about the new truck. Right. So yes, (laughs) Wild Things at one point was flirting with having some incest. Definitely. (laughs) And then there's two added graphic scenes to the credits part that they add in. The first one is Kelly comes to see Lombardo at the bar and gives him some cocaine to try. She is dressed very sexy in red, and they end up fooling around. This is when Susie takes the pictures of them together. Mm. Laced with fentanyl, Lombardo just dead. Then Lombardo is seen making love to Kelly from behind after the car wash in this particular scene. Lombardo is seen groping Kelly's right breast as she repeats the line, no little girl is going to make me come. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know. Even more trash to be thrown onto the pile. (laughs) Those scenes are very entertaining. I don't know if it actually adds anything to have Kelly and Susie be related, but it's funny and weird. (laughs) Now, the one thing that the second scene, the the mid-credits scene, makes you wonder is, and I'm only going by memory because I don't think they confirm it either way, but maybe they do. I'd have to rewatch those scenes, but... Just reading that made me wonder, well, was Susie orchestrating Kelly having sex with Lombardo in the first place? And then she knew that, and that's why she was able to take pictures of yeah. it. How deep does this go, Matt? I know. <laughs> it goes to the It's the rabbit top. hole, for sure. <laughs> the original script also provided a little more backstory and motivation, particularly for the characters of Sam and Kelly. Although, I don't feel like I was underwhelmed by their motivation. No, no. Kelly was in love with Sam and also wanted that money to start a life with him. Sam, Sam just wanted, wanted to be money. rich, yeah. <laughs> he was sick of going around on these little chintzy sailboats. He wanted the big yacht sailboat. Three sequels were released direct-to-video, obviously not directly related to any characters. Wild Things 2... In 2004, Wild Things Diamonds in the Rough, 2005. Sweet. An insane title. (laughs) And Wild Things Foursome, which came out in 2010. Folks, I believe I've seen all of these films, although I don't remember anything about them. I've only seen the first one. (laughs) It was a bit. We were having fun one weekend. I get it. (laughs) The sequels recycled much of the plot, dialogue, and direction of the first film, albeit with different actors. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, at least they changed the actors. Same chords, different words. (laughs) All three films take place in Blue Bay and its high school and include the Blue Bay Police Department, the BBPD in parentheses. I like how that's included. (laughs) BBPD. 
Was Blue Bay a real place? It seemed like a fictional town, but who's to say? In 2006, the producers tried to develop a spiritual successor, and John McNaughton was in talks to again to direct a script by Stephen Peters titled Backstabbers. Richards and Campbell were also in talks to star. That's all I got on that. I guess it it never happened, obviously. Dang. When I first read that, I thought they meant an actual sequel. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think anything of it. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Kelly is dead. Are they going to say that she wasn't really dead? Yeah. (laughs) All right. This is what we've all been waiting for. All right. This is the main event. This isn't something we do a lot. I know we probably did it with Roadhouse, and maybe that's it on the podcast, other than briefly mm-hmm. mentioning other random one-off ideas. Yeah, yeah. I don't think a full, a full-blown. But it's something I'd like to do more of when it feels right, and that is yeah. to recast a remake of Wild Things with modern-day actors. And the reason being is, and I mean this, this movie should be remade every decade or so. <laughs> so we're already yeah. missing two. We okay. should have had one in 2008 and 2018. Right. And we should also already be eagerly anticipating 2028. <laughs> if we were going to do it now in 2023, this is my idea. Not only do I have casting ideas for all of the main parts, okay. but some freestyle plot changes and ideas may be coming up from this. I'd like to get your input as well, <laughs> anything that yeah. you can think of. I think this is a good idea, and I think it would shock the system and maybe get us back to having fun movies like this. All right. The first one seems so obvious that I almost don't even need to say it. <laughs> Kelly Van Ryan portrayed by Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone really in contention. No. Unless you wanted to go with an unknown, but that obviously wouldn't be fun for this exercise. <laughs> yeah, I'm just every part. Yeah, I'd un- like to go with an unknown here. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is some inspired casting that I really liked. Yeah. Susie Toller, Jenna Ortega. That one seems obvious, too. Yeah, it feels yeah. right in the stars, right. as they say. Yeah. Now I started to get a little creative, and they're pretty close in age. I think there's only a three-year difference, but mm-hmm. in my casting, I have Duquette being younger than Lombardo okay. by three years. All right. But let me let me know what you think about this. Ray Duquette, detective, the Kevin Bacon role, I'm giving to John David Washington. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? Unexpected. For Sam Lombardo, I think it's got to be Ryan Gosling. Wow. This is a pretty big movie now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's Dream. It's a dream. Okay, okay. I think he's the right age. Yeah. He's basically right around... He's actually a little older than Matt Dillon was, which is weird, but right around that age range... What about Miles Teller? For which part? Lombardo. Yeah, I, he would be in contention. I thought, yeah. I thought maybe Gyllenhaal for I, Duquette. Yeah, I can see that. I also was considering Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, but I couldn't, I couldn't decide which. All, almost all these guys seem like more charming than Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon. Uh, uh, who Bacon, brings the sleeves? Bacon can play both. Yeah. He's better at being endearing like in Tremors and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Although he is so much better at being a shitbag, which I know. ties in a little bit with the movie. I'm is there recommend. anybody out there right now that brings a little bit of that sleaze that's age appropriate? That's tough. What about that guy from The Bear who was yeah. in Shameless? I could see that dude being a... What's his name? Like Jeremy yeah. Allen White or something like that? I don't know. Nah, he's never been a household name for me. I would have just known him as Lip from Shameless. Yeah, but he's kind of having a, yeah. a big moment with this 
bear show. So I could see that. Yeah, that'd be a, a little less known. Than yeah, some yeah. Of the high but he might have names. that qu- that very specific quality. Yeah. But all right, I'm good. I'm good with what you got. Gloria Perez. I went with somebody that I didn't, wasn't super familiar with, but I was having a hard time. So I picked this girl, Monica Barbaro. I hate to describe her like this, but she was the lady in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. On the team. Yeah, yeah. She's I, in that new Arnold I like Schwarzenegger her. Yeah. show. On it's called like Fubar. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's kind of having a moment. Sandra Van Ryan. Now we're getting interesting. Yeah. Alexander Daddario. Wild. You might be wondering, what are you talking about? This is insane. How could she be Sydney Sweeney's mom? Yeah. Well, she's not her biological mother. I'm changing it to stepmother. Okay. As mentioned, Teresa Russell was only 14 years older than Denise Richards, but Denise Richards was playing a high schooler and didn't really look like one, so the 14 age yeah. difference jumps out more. And it's it's supposed to be a stepmom who was a trophy wife to the dad, so she's younger. Well, I like the dynamic of yeah. thinking the father committed suicide and now she's saddled with this daughter that she doesn't really like right. or get along with so it adds like more tension totally the two. yeah plus I, come on I, i'm like not gonna this. do a fake casting and not put alexander yeah you had to find a role for reboot. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're gonna have a little fun okay tom baxter kevin bacon uh, <laughs> yeah. ruby nev campbell wow ken bowden bill murray <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Murray should just be Bowden until yeah. he's dead. Right. In every remake that Every I'm doing. 10 years until, yeah, until he's no longer with us. And then it will be Bob Odenkirk. The only other part that was left for Denise Richards, I didn't buy it. And, you know, I hate to say that, but I just didn't buy it. She seemed just a little too old to play Barbara Baxter. So I went with Marina Baccarin. It would have been great if Barbara you Baxter. picked someone older than Denise Richards after you said that. Marina Baccarin was actually younger than I thought she was. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know who that was at first, but yeah, the girl from like Firefly and some other things. Daredevil. Yeah. So I needed to get Denise Richards into this movie, but I didn't understand where or how. So I had to write myself a new character. <laughs> and I thought this was good because Nev Campbell, I don't know how she old she is compared to how old Carrie Snodgrass was at the time. But she definitely seems younger. I think so. So you change the character just a little bit. She's not going to play Susie's grandmother. They're not going to really imply that she's related to Susie in my version. She's just sort of someone that looks out for her. And she's a little younger, and she's a lesbian. And she has a lesbian partner named Jill, who would be played by Denise Richards. And in a weird twist, I would really femme Nev Campbell up. To be like yeah. super feminine. And I would butch Denise Richards up. She's probably not going to cut her hair for this, but a wig, maybe like jean shorts that aren't Daisy Dukes, like actually cut off at the knee and like yeah. boots, sort of like flannel type. Mm-hmm. And she's not exactly like Walter because we're not going to have Walter in mind. Jill sort of replaces Walter. Oh, really? Walter? I was thinking Jesse Plemons. Yeah, okay. Well, Jesse Plemons can be Walter. <laughs> That, that makes sense. <laughs> he would definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, so you kind of switch what you would expect from Wild Things, the original, where Denise Richards is the more you know yeah. feminine one. And right. I would switch that dynamic between those two. They'd be a couple that were in those scenes together. So I got all the original cast back. 
I think it's a pretty fun start. And like I said, yeah. I think my version would be significantly longer because <laughs> I would write a lot more scenes. <laughs> because, yes, the two male leads would be having gay sex. It wouldn't just be making out in a shower. It would be like yeah. pretty hardcore. <laughs> and then... <laughs> hardcore. And then we would definitely be doing the angle where Kelly and Susie are related. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. Right. And maybe even in our version, they know they're related. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Is this the best idea I've ever had? Yeah, it's sounding good. I'm thinking people are gonna be calling you up to green light this project. <laughs> a four hour long yeah. Wild Things remake that just from the cast alone seemingly has like a two hundred million dollar budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. I don't know, maybe we could get it greenlit as a series at HBO. Sort of follow the euphoria mode. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> it's like euphoria crossed with true detective. Yeah. Crossed with the postman always rings twice. <laughs> <laughs> crossed with <laughs> the movie Kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, we've had fun talking about Wild Things. It's a movie that is worth revisiting at least once a year, in totally. my opinion. It's so funny and fun to me. The kind of thing that you wish people would flock to again so that we could have these movies come out. and I do miss this type of movie just existing and being part of the zeitgeist. I know we whine about the same shit all the time, but what it really boils down to, it's not about a lack of erotic thrillers. It's not about a lack of comedies. It's not about a lack of any one particular genre. It's about a lack of fun. Yeah. <laughs> That was really cheesy that I built up to that, but I really mean it. I think there's just a real dearth of fun when it comes to American cinema now. Yeah. Not that there are zero. Of course there's some, but honestly, it feels like we're at a real low point in the history of film. Something that we mention every episode. In case you didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was fun to revisit this one. I don't have a ton of memories from doing it. Me neither, but that's... We actually did it after The Social Network, so this is even slightly more recent than that one, by about seven episodes or something. So it was during that comeback phase. Who knows? Maybe it actually would be a decent listen. Hmm. (laughs) I know. Not for us. I I can't believe that it would be. (laughs) Not for anyone with functioning ears. (laughs) What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. All right, we got to get to our segments. I'm assuming you do not have a recommendation, so I'll go through mine very quickly. Unfortunately, it always bums me out when I do a recommendation that's only a streaming rental because I know that no one's actually doing that. But if you ever come across this movie, maybe this will stick in your mind. Kevin Bacon, 2015, late-era cop car. Oh, wow. Have you ever seen that? Uh Uh-uh. It's actually a pretty fun little thriller where he plays a sheriff in a rural area who is dirty. Yeah, I remember the trailer for this. And then these kids find his cop car because he's actually doing something illegal, so it's parked out like in a field. And the keys are in it, and they take it for a joyride. And obviously they know they're going to be in trouble with their parents or the cops or whatever, but they don't realize how actually dangerous this guy is. It's pretty suspenseful Sweet. and fun. It's one of those under the radar yeah, type movies. I do I don't remember even it coming it, out. 
was it even in theaters? Well, I don't know. I, don't know. I feel like it might have been on a streaming service early on. Yeah. It was probably one of those ones you could rent yeah. for like six ninety nine or something. But yeah, I checked it out, I think, last year. I had kept hearing people say it was actually really good, and it was. I enjoyed cool. it. So if you're interested in a more recent Kevin Bacon outing, because he's not really a guy that you see all the time now in like super big movies. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right, you go ahead. You go ahead. You keep it secret. But you remember this. When you control the mail, you control information. Let's move right along. Let's keep it rolling. We got mailbag. All right. This one I think is pretty brief. Mail. This one is from Luke, who I believe we've heard from before. But Sweet. Pretty quick. Old friend of the what show. What was the first movie that made you realize that movies could be bad? I'll hang up and listen, Luke. Well, I'll go first hmm. because I'll keep it pretty brief. I actually think I did mention this on a podcast, but you know who knows when and in what context. But is this a follow-up to when did you first know movies could be good? I don't remember the okay. contents of his first email, but he did have other questions the yeah, first yeah. time around. I believe the first time I really realized that you could be let down for movies. Because the first few that you see, you're probably going to like. Yeah, yeah. you've never experienced anything like it. So you're kind of like, whoa. Thankfully, the ones that I did see first kind of hold up. Mm-hmm. Like Land Before Time and stuff like that. Which yeah. Which is still pretty enjoyable. My first experience with disappointment in a movie does come from a theatrical experience. My dad and I went to the Dollar Theater, oh, yeah. I think, in a mall. Mm-hmm which is long gone now, to see the John Hughes film, Curly Sue. Oh, wow. Starring Jim Belushi and a little girl with curly hair. I don't know if it's a terrible movie, but it certainly wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. And I have never seen this. Somehow, I love John Hughes, but let's be honest, some of his later scripts were a little lazy, including a movie I love, Uncle yeah. Buck. But it's it works because John Candy is incredible and he's a genius. And right. It doesn't matter that it's just a weird collection of... Mm-hmm. vignettes or something but curly sue i'm sorry jim belushi is not john candy and yeah. it's just it just wasn't good and i was a little kid walking out of the theater just being like yeah that really wasn't good and it kind of being surprising to me that that was yeah. possible do you have any kind of recollection uh, like that i do i don't know if this is the first time but i can remember going to the theater in middle school and i just loved going to the theater going back to earlier grades starting in elementary school. So going to the theater was a pretty regular part of my life with different eras. And I don't ever really remember thinking that something was bad until Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> I just, wow, that's yeah. a controversial take, too. I Is think people it? Wow. do like that now. It, you know, I haven't, Some people do. I don't think I've ever gone back to rewatch it. And I wasn't like, this is awful. Wow, that's so late. That was in yeah. like the 2000s. Was it 2000s? Maybe. I don't know. It, well, if it wasn't, it would have had to have been 99 because I know yeah. I was driving with my friends. It was, it's, that era is hazy for me because it was right around when I was moving from Massachusetts. But that was before, before I was in high school. So my freshman year of high school was when September 11th happened. So it was before that. Oh, it was 2000. Okay. So, I mean, I was 13. I remember it being kind of fun, but yeah, I've never gone back. It all felt unfulfilling and sort of... I will say that one is great but yeah. it feels separate from everything else totally. that comes after it absolutely then it goes through a weird period with two and three two was pretty not liked at the time mm-hmm. but i feel like it has found some 
yeah. support. And I've never gone back to rewatch it since that theater. Three room. is like, it's a little more polarizing than what yeah. comes after it. Because what comes after it usually is now universal praise pretty much onward from there. Yeah. Well, I remember three being okay, but that's the one where Philip Seymour Hoffman is the villain. Yeah. I mean, I remember him being like terrifying in it. I thought he was great in it. Yeah. he um, He's awesome in it. The movie itself is probably not quite on the level yeah. of some of the stuff they would get into later. Totally. So I don't know. That one just jumped out to me just trying to God, I'd go back so in time. God, I'd so many terrible movies by then. <laughs> well, I'm sure I had too, but it just <laughs> I just loved going to the theater in a way that I can't recreate now. Just watching the movie was such a good time, and I think that was the first time where I didn't hate it throughout, but I sort of walked out feeling like, eh. And I will say there was one, I do have one funny story about seeing a bad movie in the theater. The first time I was ever part of a walkout of a movie was Van Helsing. And I don't think I ever ended up seeing that. It was one of those things where I was with a group of friends, guys and girls, and I think we were like 35 minutes into it and people were like, do you want to just leave? And I was like, really? It had never crossed my mind to leave a movie. Yeah. So we left, but sort of felt a little conflicted on that (laughs) i don't like to do it and i've for how many times i've been to movies in my life which is a lot yeah it is a very small percentage that must have been like 2003 or 2004 i was in high school i think happy madison was involved at least twice (laughs) involved in in the situation where i was leaving a theater one of them is a cult movie that a lot of people like grandma's boy yeah yeah that might have been the first time actually okay other than to have sex when I was a teenager. Oh, well, there yeah. There some times okay. where it just, yeah. the movie wasn't important anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count, because it yeah. wasn't out of disgust about the movie. It was just sort of... Priorities. I, I mean, come on. I saw Original Sin in the theater with a girlfriend from high yeah. school. I mean, we were running out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, Grandma's Boy, there were funny parts in it, yeah, too. Yeah. I actually thought a couple parts were funny... But I just couldn't take that dude. Oh, being like the lead. Yeah, I was like, he just—he's yeah. uh, not really acting. Like I don't know, uh-huh. I just couldn't like deal with it. I have actually gone back and finished it, and it was kind of the same. Like there were funny parts, right, right. But it still was like pretty unwatchable to me. But it is—I find it odd that it has this big cult following now. I did like it. At, I didn't see it in the theater, but it was just one of those ones that became part of. Every, all of my friends were watching it and everything, so it sort of was like a Super Troopers dvd life it probably think... was just the wrong moment in time yeah yeah me, but whatever it's reason. certainly not something that i've carried on since then but you know when yeah. i was 20 years old or whatever it, was, it definitely had a run for me just to satiate everyone's curiosity over what the other happy madison movie was it was the first grown-ups movie oh wow yeah but as bad as that movie was which i did think it was terrible even then, it was not really my choice. I was there with someone else who went out to smoke a cigarette and got locked out of the theater. Yeah. And instead of just being like, can you let me in? He was like, do you want to just leave? And I was like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I would have stayed, yeah. even though it was pretty bad. She's never seen a single Paul Walker movie? That's a huge oh no no. She also doesn't care about Blu-ray. She's a monster. All right, real quick. Not going to do a whole thing. Wild Things, 4K, Arrow, still in print, still very yeah. easy to get. We That's both own your, it. Yeah, Matt has it as well. That's your physical media spotlight. Pick it up. I recommend it. 
It's a super fun movie if you, if you haven't seen it. Unfortunately, we probably just ruined it for you. But even though, if you know all the plot, <laughs> I twists, know. Yeah. Just wait like a few weeks because there's so many twists yeah. that you'll forget, and then just watch it. And every time I watch it, I'm always like, "Oh yeah, this part's so great." <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. One trashy summer will continue. We're gonna try to cram in two more episodes. And then we'll get back to the listener requests and the reg- regularly scheduled programming, which is only slightly different from this, in that I guess there's more interest in the other topics. <laughs> Although hopefully Wild Things does well. I-, I hope this isn't like a total dud, like some of the other One Trashy Summer Eps have been, but I think yeah. that Wild Things is a movie everyone should love. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get past sort of the unfortunate business of the reality of the horrible people out there that would use things like this mentally to justify dismissing like actual rape accusations. Bizarre. Like I understand why it's uncomfortable for certain people to have these things in movies. I guess I always just am very good about separating movies, but then you do realize that, yeah, it seeps into people's minds. Like I guess these so, kind yeah. of things. That's what sticks with people. Even yeah. if they're not thinking of it later, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you've kind of planted a little inception seed of th- something. That it just is sucks, very... though. That it's like we have to cater to that. I know, I know. That's what's always disappointing about art. That's that's yeah. actually the root of a lot of the things we end up getting upset about or complaining right. is that we do have to cater for sort of the lowest common denominator. I know who can't separate reality, like the fiction. people who you always have to explain in your letterbox reviews. Like you don't get it. Yeah, yeah, it's always that you, right. that general you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, check it out. Wild Things is a lot of fun. It's definitely a moment in time. The nineties totally. was the last gasp. Of We're out of these now. Thrillers. Yeah. yeah. They tried to bring it back with Affleck and De Armas, and it didn't work. No one was buying it. Maybe Affleck and J Lo next. Let's give it one Gigli more go. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, follow the show on Twitter. At greatest pod our email is greatestpod at gmail.com hit us up on there listener requests sticker requests please give us a rating and review on apple Podcasts, and make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode please tell your family and friends about the show your ratings and reviews all that stuff tweets that's really all our marketing we are just two guys diy that's it we never really expected a ton of people to listen or anything so it's cool that you guys have found us. Totally. And we'd appreciate a few more like-minded people, if you know any, to, that might be interested. Anyway, you can find Matt and myself on Letterboxd. I saw you were just like still just crushing out followers. Just like, man, a tr- like a magnet. Yeah, well, the more followers I get, the less likes I get on posts. Now, granted, I haven't really... Yeah, that's how it was going for me at a certain point. I'm sort of going through the motions a little bit with it. There's no rush to even yeah, I know. put them in there when I watch a movie, but I don't know. It's still fun to have it as like a record to yeah, look back on exactly. the Yeah, exactly. That's year. mainly what I do it for now. You're at Matt Crosby. I'm at Zach1983 on there. And if you follow us from listening to the show, maybe just put a comment on one of our reviews or hit us up on Twitter to make sure we follow you back. Anyway... We've got two more left in One Trashy Summer. They'll be coming fast and furious, so get ready, and we'll talk to you soon. When I get home, babe, gonna light your fire. All day I've been thinking about you, baby, my one desire. 
Gonna wrap my arms around you and hold you close to me Oh baby, I wanna taste your lips, I wanna be a fantasy, yeah It's amazing, it's a great idea. Idea. and I like it a lot. A brilliant idea. Smelling but there is one critical element that's missing. It needs a sexual punch-up. We need to get a female lead character in there that Dolph can bang throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I kind of hate women, though. Oh. I feel like they just slow action movies down, too. Right. No, Maxie, you're dead wrong on that. Mm. You're dead wrong. See, one of the problems with Shyamalan's movies is that they lack a certain eroticism. What if we were to bring uh, an incredibly hot but skeptical female lab partner into the mix? And then that way, whenever Dolph's not out busting heads because he smelled crime, he's back at the lab performing outrageous sexual experiments on her supple young body. Now, here's the twist, and there is a twist. We show it. We show all of it. Because what's the one major thing missing from all action movies these days, guys? Full penetration. 
Guys, we're gonna show full penetration, and we're gonna show a lot of it. I mean, we're talking, you know, graphic scenes of Dolph Lundgren really going to town on this hot young lab tech. From behind, 69, anal, vaginal, cowgirl, reverse cowgirl, all the hits, all the big ones, all the good ones, and then he smells crime again. He's out busting heads. Then he's back to the lab for some more full penetration. He smells crime. Back to the lab, full penetration, crime, penetration, crime, full penetration, crime, penetration. And this goes on and on and back and forth for 90 or so minutes until the movie just sort of ends. That is brilliant. That is the most brilliant movie I've ever heard in my life. I think audiences are going to be very uncomfortable seeing Dolph Lundgren's naked penis going into this young girl that you're talking about. Yeah, just to be clear, though, I don't care either way. 